Let's go. Welcome to the Poptimus Podcast. Today we have Tyler Peck of Mercury Blonde. What's going on? What up? How are the drums going? Uh, I'm always banging. Always banging? Always banging. Always banging, always slanging? Always slanging. The end of the year is coming up. You guys have had a pretty good year so far. You released an album earlier this year, Left on Gallatin. Yeah, we did. I actually turned left on Gallatin to get to your house. Yes, <laughs> that's true. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, we've had, you know, we're really proud of the record that we came out with. We had an awesome release party over at the Five Spot, one of um, our favorite venues to go to, and even uh, see some other bands that have played there before. And us being like an East Nashville-based band, well, most of us besides me, mm-hmm. uh we felt that was like the venue to release our album and we've had a lot of great feedback I and mean, we've had a couple of uh people write a couple blogs about it and we've had you know friends that have talked about how much they you know like our music and all that stuff and i think it's get it's starting to get some attention but you know we're still growing as a band and i think we just need to keep moving forward uh writing more songs and playing more shows and just really getting your name out there and i think you know especially being an original band it's a tough thing in this town oh uh, yeah to really grow to really grow and and to really honestly like you know get a lot of high paying gigs because so many people here are, are freelancers and you know they're you know they're playing you know, where the money is, and I think that's why our band's kind of unique, because we got an original group, we're playing original music, Yeah. you know, we're the guys that are in it, we it, we kind of treat it like a brotherhood, because, you know, this is something we all agree, we love the music, we see this band going in a good direction, and, you know, it's not really all about the money, it would be nice, but it's more about us as like a a band and like a brotherhood and really getting to know uh to people who we are as far as that how did you guys meet uh so we really met a lot uh from like the jams and going to shows and i guess my story is how like i met everybody was when i first moved to town i actually uh was in like a jam band for a little bit when I first moved to town. And when I first got here, I, I remember I was on, I joined like those blogs like Gig Finder and like YEP where people will post about, hey, I'm, you know, looking for a drummer for this or any musician for really anything for both of those platforms. So I met this, a uh, couple of these guys that were starting like a jam band. They were like straight up, they, you know, worshiped like the Grateful Dead and Fish. Like they were, all about that stuff. So I played with them a couple times. It was fun. And I remember I posted on Gig Finder or Yep looking to have a lead guitar player, another keyboard player join the group just because there's a couple of guys in the group. Uh, they didn't really have like a lead guitarist. And they also, their keyboard player, I think, had some issues like as far as personally. So we're trying to look for another keyboard player, and I put out that post, and one of the people that reached out was Dan Monaco. And he messaged me, and he's like, he's like, hey there, we should, you know, I'm interested in possibly joining this group. We should, like, chat or something. I was like, yeah, we should do that. And he's like, come out to Soulshine Pizza Factory. 
and we can, you know, talk about that. And I was like, okay, so that was the first time I went to Soul Shine, and that was such a cool jam in its heyday when before they decided to, before it closed down, and also before they built in the closure. Like it was outside, it was on the porch, you know, it's, you know, Music Row is down the street, and you got this, you know, these badass people getting up there and playing. It was like a cool, really cool atmosphere. And so that's where I met Dan and we just kind of started talking. I started talking about the group and what we were doing and, and Dan's like, you should come to this jam where I play in the house band at, uh, called the country at the country. Of course, all roads lead to the country. All roads lead to the country. And, uh, I was, and I had to ask him a couple of times, what's that called again? It's like, it's the country. I just thought that was like such an interesting name for a venue. Mm-hmm. And so I went to the country, and it was an awesome jam. I just have to say, you know, shout out to Kara. Shout out to Kara forever and always. I know. She is, like, kind of like the woman that has brought a lot of me and my friends to great success in this town. Oh, yeah. By yeah. linking you up with people. Mm-hmm. And so when I went there, that's where I met Dan Weck. Mm-hmm. I got the start... You know, me and him started becoming really good friends, and we started becoming regulars at the jam and stuff like that. Um, also, that's like the same jam where I met my good friend Meg Williams. Shout out to her. Shout out to Meg. You know, one of the she is probably like one of the most hardworking, ambitious individuals I know. That is. Oh, she's always hustling, dude. Yeah. I don't think she sleeps. No, I she that that girl plays at least like six or seven shows a week. I know. I always see her posting on Instagram, on Facebook. I'm I'm out here tomorrow. This is where I am tonight. Come see me play. Yeah. So, yeah, and she's also just a really good friend, and and she's also a great supporter of you know my band and like me as individual. I mean, whenever she you know is not busy, whenever if I'm playing, even if I'm not playing drums for Mercury Blonde, if I'm just doing like a you know a sit in for a friend, she'll try and make it out. You know. Just because that's that's just her, and anyway, so back to the jam, and that's and then when I met uh, Dan Weck, he started you know playing with Meg Williams, mm-hmm. um, you know, and I went to a show at Tennessee Brew Works, and they were doing an acoustic set, Meg and Dan, and that is where I met the famous Zach Serapis. So Zach Serapis was the talent buyer for Tennessee Brew Works, and. Uh, I, you know, Dan Weck introduced me to him. He's like, you should, you know, here's my friend, this is my friend Tyler. He's a really badass drummer. And me and him started talking. I was like, yeah, if you want to jam sometime, I'm down to do that. And so he gave me his card and we exchanged phone numbers and we started texting and we were just like, you know, just talking about like our influences and all that stuff. And he was talking about that he wanted to put a group together. And so, uh, the first time that we ever jammed was on Easter over at Kaysen Simmons' house. You know Kaysen? Yeah, he's a great he's a great guy, great guitarist. So shout out to Kaysen. Um, we yeah, so we had a party on Easter, and that was a lot of fun. We had a big barbecue, and a lot of our friends were just hanging out, having a good time. And we also he also has a cool space where you can he has like drums set up and amps and a jam and, space. Yeah, and so nice. That was the first time where. Me and Zach and Dan Weck all sat down. We started playing together, and there was instant chemistry right off the bat. Like, me and Zach just locked in. And there was even this one funny moment where we looked at each other and we started playing a Motorhead song. 
just messing around, but uh-huh. it was it was it was fun. And so yeah, and the group started out at first, you know, just us three getting together, uh, jamming. And Zach had some really cool songs. He had just basic things that he wanted to do as far as like melody and lyrics. And then later on, we brought in a bass player named Clint Hartzell. He played on the record, and he is a friend of Zach's. Like he's he was really involved in the bluegrass thing. He plays multiple instruments. Like he not only plays bass, he plays the banjo, he plays guitar, he knows how to sing, and uh, and he's just also a gentle soul too. Just like a really down to earth, like good human being. And so we did that, and then later on. Uh, Zach got hooked up with Dan Monaco because he uh, knew him, I think, when Zach first moved to Nashville. And so, and Zach really wanted Key, so he asked, you know, Dan Monaco to be in the group. And uh, Dan was down to do it, and, you know, that therefore Mercury Blonde formed. Um, we didn't have a name at the time, and we already had a gig booked at the Crying Wolf was our very first show, and Zach got a new vintage guitar. I'm not a guitar guy. I don't know what what it what it's called or or anything, but he really likes kind of old vintage guitar kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So we're trying to think of a name, and uh, Dan Weck's like, "Hey, what's the color of your guitar?" And he's like, "And Zach's like, oh, it's Mercury Blonde," and Dan's like, "We should be called that." And so the name stuck from there. It's a good name. Yeah. So that's just, so that's where the name came from. And so we, you know, started writing these, getting these songs together. And they kind of grew over time as we were playing shows and as we were getting together, figuring out the arrangements. And then we decided to record a record. And one of the other things that was beneficial to Kara's Jam was uh, Val, her guitarist, you know, Super awesome guitar player, super nice guy, knows the industry, and, you know, and he actually introduced me to the guy I'm studying drums with, Wes Little, and uh, Wes is one of the most sought-after drummers in town, like, studio and live. Um, he has some pretty awesome, an awesome background, like, he went to... Manhattan School of Music. He studied with John Riley, who's a really well-known jazz uh, drummer. I mean, for all the drummers listening, he wrote The Art of Bebop Drumming, which is a a great uh, beginning jazz book for drummers. I'm sure any drummer that learns jazz, that's one of the books they have worked out of. So he studied under him. Uh, he's been on tour with Robin Ford. He went on. He's been on tour with Joe Nichols. And one of the coolest gigs when I first heard about him was he was the house drummer for Obama's inaugural ball. Oh, really? And he got elected the second time. And he got to sit in with, like, Stevie Wonder and Beyonce and Sting. Wow. They all, in like, so that was, like, one of the coolest, you know, things I've heard. And, and he's just a good dude. I've been studying with him for a couple of years, and he's just a good guy. Very laid back, really well knowledgeable, and... I just go over to his house, and in his house, he has his own floating studio. Like, it looks like something out of Blackbird when you walk in. I mean, really? when, you, when you pull up, it's like a regular house. You don't expect to go in there and see a studio that advanced looking. It looks like something that can be off, you know, uh, Berry Hill. Um, 
And so I took the guys over, and we were looking at studios, and I took the guys over there. I was like, you should check out Wes's place. You know, he's got a badass studio, and, you know, we, and you can get, get us recorded for a reasonable rate. And so I, I loved it because we're going up to the house, and, you know, their reaction is like, you know, they don't know what they're going to, what they're going to see. And uh, we went and got a tour of his studio, and Zach instantly fell in love with the studio. I'm like, and he's like, I think this is the spot that we should we should record our record and we were getting like a, a fair rate to record uh in a studio and that's where we recorded the record went really great uh Wes was amazing to work with he's amazing in the studio he was really great on guiding us through the whole process and if we were ever struggling as far as vocals or or even if I'm or if I mess up or if there's something that he can do to help things run smoother he was really really good at doing that the studio can be a microscope yeah like you feel like you're under a microscope because everybody's listening and there is a level of detail that doesn't exist live like you can fuck something up live and it still sounds okay oh yeah Mm -hmm. um but if if you fuck something up in the studio you instantly notice not saying that's always a bad thing though sometimes that can be a good thing but um yeah it's it can be uh it can be a tense environment Mm-hmm. For sure, and and yeah, definitely. I mean, there was some stuff that I did drumming live that didn't work in the studio, especially when you're playing with a click. You know, that's I think really important when you're in a studio. Controlled environment. Yeah. So there is definitely some changes we made to some songs as far as my personal playing to make things go smoother. But I thought it was pretty relaxed. But it's also nice, like you know, when we we're in the live room, we had the lights dimmed down, so it's like you know. The vibe. You want it. That's what I mean. It's kind of you know like down here, like we're doing this interview. You know, we're we got you know it's dim lighting. You got Christmas lights. Christmas lights up. It's a a couch, a couch. So that was that kind of vibe when we were recording. It's like I'm sitting on the couch, dim lights. It's it's laid back. A, a hangout space. So I think that's really important, especially in your studio, because you don't want like bright lights like you're on the operating table or. Or something like that, because then you're going to be nervous. Yeah, for sure. A fluorescent hell. Yeah. So, yeah, and we got a great, you know, a lot of the rough tracking, and Wes also mixed the record as well. And then after that, we got it mastered by our Zach's friend, Chris Frasco. He's uh, he's from Boston area, like Zach is. Uh, Zach's from Franklin, Massachusetts. And so Chris is a really talented mastering engineer he's mastered you know other bands and i can't remember the name but he, he actually got a write-up in rolling stone for an album he actually mastered and so we and he also is into the same kind of music that, that mercury blonde is so we we thought he was the best choice mm-hmm. uh to master the record and so and then after that we went through all the cd baby stuff uh we did a photo shoot uh, out at this farm, actually, one of Dan Monaco's friends, uh, he, I can't, I can't remember, I can't remember his name, uh, yeah, I'm sorry, but he, he, I know his background, uh, Randy, his name's Randy Martin, right now, Randy Martin is a pretty interesting guy, he actually used to be the head art director at CBS, and, uh, he had, and he's also done cool stuff 
like done artwork for Ronald Reagan's campaign. Uh, and so we went to him to have him design our logo. And so he helped put our logo together. And we're also really influenced by Yellman Brothers. So that's kind of like where we have like the M and the B, that really cool cursive font. Because mm-hmm. we wanted that same kind of vibe like the Yellman Brothers. So he helped create our logo. And then we put, you know, the photos together. Uh, we put the logo together. And uh, Meg Williams, also another shout out to her, she also helped... Uh, design the back cover because she's been through the whole process of CD Baby with her EP so we actually went to her a lot on that process of how you, you know all the CD Baby stuff and then well then then after that yeah we got them printed and then yeah that's and then we had our release party and you know it's back to that back to the grind back to the grind you start over at zero then yeah what is your practice routine looking like these days? What are you uh, What are you working on in your lessons? Well, I work on just kind of different styles of music. So right now I'm working on uh, just uh, the thing that I've been working on a lot of was when I first started working with him is kind of my control and how I hold my sticks and how I how I play. He works on this technique called the molar motion, and uh, a drummer named Jojo Mayer is really good at talking about this and it's kind of where you have your hands in regular grip and you kind of have like this motion like kind of like a circular motion and it's just kind of a way to just kind of have more control and I think that's like what was more control in the in the wrist yeah like and like your hands and like how your how your sticks move and all that stuff and um, from learning that technique I've felt like I've had more control over my instrument what I want to do around the kit um, as far as stylistically, I'm working on jazz stuff and, you know, Latin stuff with Wes because I have an interest in those genres. And they're also really challenging. They're really, a lot of the grooves and, and some of the concepts you learn from those genres can really help you with your coordination and technique. And you can use those different things you learn from those genres of music and apply them to others because, you know, a lot of... Uh, especially like looking at history, you know, a lot of the drummers during the British invasion, you know, they were jazz guys. Yeah. I mean, you hear like Mitch Mitchell on like Jimi Hendrix's, you know, albums. He's got all these crazy fills he's laying down. That's because he had a jazz background. Mm -hmm. So I think it's important to really hone in on some of those styles because you can apply them to different genres of music. For sure. Absolutely. One thing, I've also noticed since being in Nashville is even more so how each person brings whatever their spirit is through their instrument. And it's like an expression of who they are. Um, And I think it's through a lot of different things. There's something to be said about the spiritual quality of it. And the, the fact that we're basically playing a version of, of our souls through our, through our instrument and expressing ourselves. And that can be through life experiences. It can be through music. And as a bass player, one thing I really like is trying a bunch of different stuff, like a bunch of different styles, a bunch of different genres, everything like that, because it all kind of contributes to the greater good. It's more hours logged into your instrument. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely, yeah, I definitely agree. Uh, so, and then some other stuff I'm working on. I'm working on kind of more of like 
rock and like funkier drumming uh, as well. And so, I mean, I just want to get, you know, better at my instrument. You know, I think that's why I started taking lessons. I mean, I have, you know, a bachelor's in music business and, you know, I took, you know, I was part of percussion ensembles and stuff like that while I was in college, but, you know. Where'd you go to school? Where I went to school, I went to school at this private liberal arts school called Millican University. It's in uh, Decatur, Illinois. And Decatur, to give an idea where it is, it's right in the middle of Illinois. So Springfield is about a half hour from it, and then Champaign, Illinois is about an hour north. And <clears throat> I guess you can say it's in the middle because Chicago, to get to that area, is about two and a half hours away. And then they get to St. Louis, it's two and a half hours away. So you're kind of like right in the middle to go two hours to in any one of those cities. To a major city. And so that was a really great experience. You know, I learned a lot. Uh, I figured out while I was there that I felt that Nashville was the place I wanted to live and work. And we had a lot of alumni and also big industry people from Nashville that would come and they would give seminars and talk about their experience and what they're doing. And, you know, it's just like, man, Nashville sounds like, you know, the best place for what I want to do. And prior to me making the permanent move to Nashville, I actually interned down here for a summer. And I interned for a PR firm here on Music Row. And I also went to... Uh, Bourbon Street one night to check out the Blues Jam because at the time that was the only Blues Jam I knew about in town at all and uh, when I went there I was so intimidated oh yeah terrified right yeah, yeah by everybody's the, a killer when you come to Nashville yeah by the amount of talent that was in there like every drummer that went up was incredible they were absolutely amazing players the best that were they're from come here yeah and so, and I also, you know, since I was a newbie, I waited a while to, you know, play. I think I waited till maybe like midnight or something to get on stage. Uh -huh. And I actually have a video of it from when I performed for the first time there. And believe it or not, the very first uh, front person I played with was Kara. Really? Before, Full circle, dude. Before I even, like, got to know her like more on a personal level the first time I ever played was with Kara and I was honestly really intimidated by Kara when oh, I yeah. first got on stage with her she came up she's like I we're gonna do this song it's gonna be in this key this is my tempo watch boom, me boom, watch boom. me for the stops she's like she knows what she wants and oh, she yeah. knows she knows what she wants the band to do and I'm like Kind of shaking, I'm like, oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> I've been in that position with Kara, too. And so, we just did like a slow blues, and uh, I was nervous, and I was rushing a little bit, and I heard someone yelling, like, one, two, like, counting for me, uh -huh. and I, I eventually fell in, but I was just, it was just that nervous feeling, because like, oh, yeah. I was like, going up after all these incredible players before me. So, but... Overall, it was a cool experience, and I think it's really the difference between when you go to school and then when you come out to Nashville, because when you're in school, you're in ensembles, and you're learning, you know, prepared pieces. You have the music, and you, you know, you're working on these things up till the concert, or if 
you know, some of our ensembles went on tour, but there are pieces they've already have rehearsed over and over again. Mm-hmm. But, you got the sheet music for it, you got everything you need. But when you come to Nashville and you go to a jam, it's a different animal. It's oh, like yeah. you walk up there and you're in, there is no rehearsal. You, you don't have sheet music you've been pairing for months at a time. You just wait, okay, this is the key, and this is the tune we're going to do, and you just go. And hopefully you know the song. Right. Which I'm, most of the time you don't. I know. And I think that's also a really great way to learn more songs. Oh, hell yeah. For sure. Absolutely. Um, I know I've had times where there are songs I wasn't sure about, um, and I was like, well, I should... I should maybe go and listen to that, and so that way I know when that song's called out next time, I'll be more prepared. I think I've I've been in that situation a couple of times that I've gone to the jams. Oh, yeah. And I think that's what's great about the jams, because you, you learn more songs, and you learn more as a player what to work on. Like me as a drummer, sometimes there may be like a style, like uh, maybe like a rumba or something that's not called very often. Where it's like, oh, this is maybe some. I mean, it's like, oh, I'm not really prepared as well as I should be on that style. Maybe that's something I should work on more. So I think that's why the jams are so important. They're a great teaching tool, and and they're a a different test to like your musicianship and and really listening to what the band is doing. I think that's that's a really great uh, to develop your ear and listening to to the band. I think that's really important. I mean, I've seen drummers that will just play bashing louder. They don't play dynamically or, or anything like that. Uh, I think it's really, really important that you are complimenting, uh, the band when you're doing that stuff. For sure. I think another thing that happens when you come to Nashville is you go to these jams and at least for me, I realize that every single one of these jams can be used for a different thing for honing my my skill as a player. So it's like at Kara's Jam, you have to show up and you have to be good. Like, yeah. that's it. You have to be good. You have to play well. At Pop Attorneys, which we've, I think, we've we've gone out there a few few times, run, yep. run into each other there. Yep. That place feels like a place where you can take some chances. Like, if you're, if you're trying out something new or something you haven't done before, you can you can maybe reach for some, some notes or try and hit some stuff that you're like, I've been practicing this at home, and I want to see if I can actually do it now. Pop Attorneys is that kind of place. Yeah, I absolutely love Pop Attorneys, and I love Papa T. Oh, yeah. Like, he is, like, a down-the-earth good guy. True music student. He is. He is he's just so awesome, and he has been supportive day one of when we started going to his jam. All the way. Uh, I even remember this one time where I was supposed to have a gig with an artist. And uh, things got a little weird. It didn't work out at first because it was snowing. And, you know, down here in Nashville, I'm, I'm from Chicago where, you know, snow's not a big deal. You know? Sure, yeah. You know, for schools to close in my area, it has to be, you know, like the end of the world. And the abominable snowman is running around the first schools to get closed. But... Down here, it's like even like within they even talk about snow, they close schools. Uh huh. <laughs> so, so there was a a little like sprinkle of snow, and the gig got canceled because of that. And then um, we got to move to I think it was February, and the guy we were playing with he uh, did some kind of stuff that was a little bit shady, where he 
got some other players without telling me, and uh, it was actually Nick Novelli. Uh, shout out to him, another badass guitar player. Oh yeah, but he like got some. I'm not gonna say who this artist was, but anyway, he got some other players without telling us, and there was like a bunch of drama behind it, and then. So one of the players he hired was Nick Novelli. Yeah, and and me. Yeah. Okay. And, and then. Uh, so, yeah, there's, like, a lot of weird stuff that happened. And then eventually the guy I hired us couldn't do the gig at all. And so me and Nick are trying to figure out what's going on. And so Nick actually, you know, and Papa T saved the day by putting a group together. So it was actually me, Nick, Dan Weck, and Will Beeman that pl- nice. that, that, that played the night. And uh, Papa T came up to me. And he's like, you know, I, 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 wa- I did this uh, night for you. Because I didn't want you to get screwed over twice, you know, and that just shows that he really cares. He really does care. So, and I've had, and I met some really great musician over at Papa T's. That's actually the first jam I went to when I moved back to Nashville. Like mm-hmm. I started going there. It's a very comfortable place. Yeah. So I, yeah, I really, I really like there, and the food is awesome too. Oh fuck yeah, the food is great. Like the, they, my favorite thing is a pulled chicken. That's good, and I I always get I I mean I always get I like the I'm a beef guy. Uh huh. I always get the like maybe bris- like the, the beef brisket plug. is killer. Uh, but I always get double mac and cheese. Like I I I have to anytime I go to Papa T's, even if I'm not that hungry, I at least get I at least get my mac on. Oh yeah, you you got to. So, I mean I haven't gone to Papa T's a ton, but also I've also got to sit in with the house band a couple times, which is cool. I've got the Saturday it. Night House Band? Yeah, uh, when I, when Will Beeman, another, shout out to him, another badass. Yes. Um, he has had me sit in a couple of times for the house band, and then I also have done a couple of gigs with Glenn Tracy. Who's Glenn's a, great, man. He's, he's a, got an incredible voice. Oh, yeah. he's. Um, so I've done a couple gigs with him and Joe Bavono, who's also another really good guitarist. So I've, so I've really... Um, been adapt been into the blues scene um since i've been in nashville like you know really learning the style and playing with some of these you know guys that have been around the block for a long time so oh yeah but i definitely but i definitely am open to exploring other you know scenes of the music um like i've gone to a couple of jazz jams i've been brave enough to try it how was it i mean it's it's definitely a different vibe in the blues than the blues jam. You really, really gotta know your stuff. Like you're, you're walking into a room where people know the the real book, like front to back. That's fucking crazy to me. Yeah, I mean, it's been, I've gone to a couple, but the thing is, the jazz guys are also super nice too. Uh-huh. Like even where I've played a set and I didn't feel good about, it, they're like, come on back, man. Like you know, and they've come up and talked to me and and stuff like that. I mean, there are. There are some cats in there that can be a little stiff, but most of the, surprisingly, most of the people I've met in the jazz scene are super, super nice people. Because they were us once. Yeah. Just walking up, and it takes courage to get on stage. It takes courage to get on stage in Nashville. Yeah. And uh, it's it's not always easy, because you're always playing to a room full of musicians yeah. that are a thousand times better than you, or a yeah. thousand times more experienced, or at least that's the way it feels. Yeah. You know, it always feels like we're playing to a room full of musicians right now. But it's also kind of good because it pushes me to be better. And it, it makes makes me, when I'm when I'm sitting there practicing, it's like, okay, well, 
we got this gig tomorrow night and we're going to be playing for a bunch of people who are there so we yeah. got to we really got to show out yeah and sound I, hot and i think uh it's also important to remember we were in the practice room i had a, a jazz director named Perry Rask and he's quite a character he's a really great saxophone player and he's like one of the i think he also studied in France and he actually studied under a guy who studied under a long list of people who have studied under Adolf Sax, the guy who invented the saxophone. Oh, shit. And, uh, like, Perry always, like, said, you know, when you're in the practice room, don't be afraid to suck. And that's something yeah. I live by. I mean, and you shouldn't be. I mean, that's that's how you know you are working on something you're not good at. Mm -hmm. And I think that's... You know, being in Nashville, when you go to these jams and stuff, you figure out what your weaknesses are, and then you go in the practice room and you, and you work them out and make them your strengths. Yeah. So, I think that's something to really kind of keep in mind when you're practicing. Don't be afraid to sound like shit. It's okay. Yeah. That means you're, 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 doing, you're practicing, you're developing. For sure, yeah. I think uh, one thing that's important for practice, I, I keep a practice journal. And I just log what it is that I'm thinking or feeling that day and how I feel things are sounding. And some days uh, you just have a day where you didn't really feel like you got that much accomplished mm -hmm. or that you fucked up or something like that. Something didn't work out. But it is allowing yourself that it's almost like a form of mental discipline to say it's okay not to always sound good. Yeah. And sometimes to sound bad because you're going to have off nights. Yeah. Like you're going to have fucking good nights. But yeah. You're going to have off nights. I mean, sometimes the instrument wins and not you. Yeah. <laughs> sometimes the metronome wins. That's right. Um, yeah. And so, what was I going to say? Uh, yeah. But on the practice log, I think that's definitely a good idea. That's actually something that got hammered in my head when I was in college. Really? Because when I would have my lesson, we would log in what we worked on and what to work on for next time. So I think it's also a good organizational tool for yourself mentally, like you said. So that way you... And it's also... I think that's why I took lessons again, because I want... It's good to set goals for yourself. Oh, yeah. So, you know, if you're working on something really hard, like a song, or maybe like a... You know, it's like a bass player, maybe there's like a cool riff or solo or something, and you want your goal be like okay i i i was able to get the so the song or the solo to this bpm mm -hmm. i'm gonna shoot to get it up 10 or 20 more bpm gradual so, measurable yeah so i think it's good to set goals for yourself and that makes you feel like you accomplished something yes accountability so i think that's really important i've i've been guilty of not i, I mean i actually started up doing a practice log and then i kind of stopped and then I, th I feel like I should get back into it again. It goes through cycles. From what I've encountered of... There are going to be times where you're gigging a ton. And you're working a ton. And you don't have as much time to practice. Other than to sit down and just go over the songs that you need to know. For the gig on Friday or whatever it is. Yeah. And then there will be times where you've got a few gigs. Your work schedule's decent. And you're able to practice a ton. Yeah. Um, and it's, I think, comes down to making the time. I think even like 10 minutes a day, if you can just do 10 minutes a day and write write down one thing that you worked on, even yeah. if you just do that one thing, that's the most important. Right. I try to, I mean, 
on average, I try to at least practice two hours a day. Um, I do have a crazy schedule, but I do try to make it work. And there are times where I do get busy, like you're saying, like I'll have like a couple of gigs coming up, and I have to just be prepared for those. And then whatever lesson stuff I'm working on, I'll I'll do it, you know, after the gig's over or whenever the time opens up. So that's you know, I def I definitely get that. For sure. Part of it. What's on the horizon for you in, in 2019? Is there anything that you're trying to accomplish? Uh, well, 2019, I, well, like I said, we were talking earlier, Mercury Blonde, uh, we're playing at Brewworks today. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's going to be our last show for 2018. Mm-hmm. And then uh, we want to play more shows and we want to write more music is the goal right now. And then I'm also going to be doing a side thing with uh, this guitar name, this guitar player named Brian Howell. He does more straight up rock and roll kind mm-hmm. of stuff, and I'm going to be recording over at Starstruck. Nice, dude. Um, I had a friend who used to intern over there. I've heard it's a cool studio. Yeah, he uh, he said that it's a house built for a diva. Really? Oh yeah. That's that's, cool. that's the vibe. It's, he said it's very over the top. Oh sweet. But anyway, so I'm just recording like five or six of his original songs nice. and, and doing a couple of gigs because, you know, in Mercury Blonde, you know, we, we're all, all the guys are in, in different, you know, You're all working musicians. Playing. Yeah. So, you know, Dan Wegg plays a lot with Meg Williams. Uh-huh. Uh, Monaco f- freelances with a lot of other people. Uh, and then uh, Zach actually started doing a side thing with uh, this girl named Vivian. I forgot her last name. I don't. I don't want. I don't want to butcher it or or forgot. But uh, they are doing a uh, country western kind of uh, music right now. Just writing songs, and they've got some cool stuff. They have been writing together. Uh, Zach is Zach and her are really into that genre of music. So you know they're doing that stuff. So and uh, I think it's important, even though. We do want the band to move forward, and we do want to do more stuff. I think it's important for us as individuals to have other musical experiences, because we all come from different backgrounds. We all have experiences playing different genres of music, so I think it's really important developing yourself as a musician to play with other people and to get involved into other things. For sure. So it's not saying, like, you know, we don't want the band to work. We just want to stay busy. We want to develop as a person. As a well, musician. it keeps it it keeps it fresh too, especially in a town like Nashville. There are a ton of opportunities here, and you want to keep what you're doing fresh. Because if you do, I've found that if I focus on one thing too much, or it's important to log hours on any project that you're doing and and be measurable and set goals and all that. But things can get kind of stale. You got you got to like change it up. Like I always need to change it up. I need to change my practice routine. Yeah. Like just gotta throw in different things that are outside of your comfort zone every now and then. At least that's that's what I like doing. Just to kind of shock the system. Yeah. Because it feels good to be at the bottom sometimes. At least I want to believe. You know, I really like it whenever I do kind of fuck up. It feels bad in the moment, but then after it's like okay. Now I have something to work on. I know what I need to do. Yeah, I think uh, I do that too. Like you know, I'll be, I'll be, you know, more. Of, I'm a rock and roll kind of guy, and like I'll, 
be jamming to a rock song and then just to challenge myself okay let's see if I could play along to like this crazy like Latin tune or this mm-hmm. crazy jazz tune let's see what happens so I think that's definitely good to keep it interesting because I do have like a routine where I'll work on lesson stuff and then there'll be days where it's just like you know I just want to jam the stuff like, yeah. I don't even want to I don't even want to touch lesson stuff I just want to jam the songs yeah for sure like I'll have those days dude hell yeah just go back o- over the stuff that you used to play when you were a kid or stuff like that yeah, that, and then just even some songs that could be a challenge, or even uh, stuff I'm working on for, like, even Brian that I mentioned. Um, he's working on, uh, one of the covers he wants to do is Learn to Fly by the Foo Fighters. And That's a, a great song. And I'm a big Foo Fighters fan, and, and what I'm doing have that I haven't really have done before is I'm actually listening, I'm trying to replicate all of Taylor Hawkins fills. Dude, he's a nasty fucking drummer. He's awesome. I actually got to see them when they came in May. To Bridgestone? Yeah. For the Concrete and Gold tour? Yeah. How was it? They played for three hours. Of course they did. And it was just like hit after hit after hit after hit, right? They were, they were, they were awesome. And, uh, and also, uh, the struts opened up for them. Really? And they and I actually saw the Struts Monday night. They played... At the Basement East, right? Yeah, they played three sold-out shows Monday through Wednesday. That's cool. And I thought it was cool. I was I was actually amazed they were playing there. The, the last time I saw them, they were in Bridgestone opening up for one of the biggest rock bands on the scene right now to playing, you know, the Basement East, which is just kind of a, you know, 500-capacity room. Yeah. And they put on a really great show. Those guys, I really, I really like those guys' sound. And the singer kind of looks like Alice Cooper, and uh, he's got a powerful voice. Like he's definitely got a little bit of kind of a Freddie Mercury influence in him. And uh, and they just have great songs. I love, I you know, I love that kind of rock and roll where you have just like the band is like a powerhouse, and then you got like an awesome vocalist. You know, kind of like how Queen was. Like Queen was like, the musicians in that group are badasses, and you got Freddie Mercury with this awesome, oh like, yeah, huge, you know, voice of his, and that's what they kind of remind me of in that style. I don't think I've listened to them before. Um, maybe I'll, they play them on Lightning One Hundred. Yeah, they have a couple of hits out, uh, and they're from the UK. Nice. And they're, and they're starting to really gain some traction, especially in the States. That's cool. I mean, obviously they're good if they can sell sell out three shows in Nashville. You know, yeah. They're doing something right. For sure. On a closing note, do you have any great stories of uh, a gig that you didn't show up prepared for, or a time you like lost your sheet music when you were in college, or anything like that? Maybe, uh, maybe a lesson that you've learned? Um, I think... Uh, I don't, I don't know if it's like really a gig. I guess this goes back to when I was in high school. I was in marching band. Uh, funny enough, I was not in drumline. Really? At the time. I actually, my first instrument I started out was actually on trumpet. And in marching band, I actually played this instrument called the baritone. And I guess for non-musicians, that's kind of like a smaller tuba kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And in the marching band world, it, they've designed it one where it was like a big trumpet like it really looked like it was like it was like yeah it was like the cross between a trumpet and a tube when you put it together and uh and there's this and the one thing about marching band in high school is we were like a competing band and they ran the band like a military you know you, we looked the same 
you walked in time the same. You had to look like a statue playing. You don't move when you're standing still, you know. And one of the important things about that is memorizing your music. That's a really, really important aspect to being in that band. You got to know your music, because we don't. We're not the type. We're not the type of band that puts the little, you know, little stands on the horns. Uh, you have to know it. And one moment I had that was kind of embarrassing was like my section leader. We were like going down the line of playing the pieces that we had to know, and uh, um, I didn't have like my music fully memorized. And so I, so, so as like a punishment, he made like the whole band like run laps and do push-ups. <laughs> because of you? Yeah. Oh man, was everybody pissed at you? At that moment, yeah. That's but, pretty hilarious. But that's just, I don't know. So, I mean, that's kind of taught me to be more prepared uh-huh. on, on that aspect of it. And, you know, in Nashville, um, I've had some hiccup moments, uh, you know, there's some rehearsals I, I wasn't happy with, or there was maybe a couple times at a jam where I wasn't, you know, too thrilled with my performance. And, sure. And I always just kind of remember to, in my mind, to learn from that experience, what can I do to be better, and to just keep looking forward. Don't, you know, you know, going at the Struts concert, there was a quote that he said, that really resonates, I think, is don't let, you know, this moment define who you are. You know, don't, you know, if you mess up, don't let that moment define define you. Hard times pass. Yeah. So I always look into the future. I move forward. I keep practicing, you know, keep on keeping on. Perfect. Well, um, where can people find you online and where can they find Mercury Bond? Well, you can find me on Facebook, Tyler Arlen Peck, or you can go on my Instagram, tpeck89. And then for Mercury Blonde, you can go on Facebook, too. Uh, we also have our own website. And then we're on Instagram, uh, Mercury, is it at Mercury Blonde Official. And then you can listen to our album, Left on Gallatin, on Spotify, Apple Music, uh, YouTube, Amazon, pretty much really anywhere uh, the CD Baby Publishing uh, service puts it out. Uh, so, yeah, you can uh, listen to all our music there. And we'll be, I know this is probably posted later, but we're playing Tennessee Brewworks, 2 o'clock, mm-hmm. 2 p.m. Nice. Last show, 2018. Perfect. Well, dude, thanks for coming on. No problem, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah. yeah.